everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Petra Manos. Hi. Brooks Forsyth. Hey, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. A uh, quick reminder about JS Remote Conf if you're into JavaScript. Um, and then I'm, I've got three others that are, I'm getting put up today. So go, you can find those at devchat.tv slash conferences. Uh, we have a special guest this week, and that's Scott Jones. Scott, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself? Tell us why you're super cool. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name's Scott. I'm a freelancer out here in Washington, D.C. Um, I am the author of the book, The Free Agent Mindset, Thriving in the Gig Economy, that comes out in July 2020. Have you thought about making a career transition into data analytics? You should check out Springboard's Data Analytics Career Track. It's similar to an online data analytics bootcamp with the difference that a career track follows a project-based learning methodology where students work on real-life projects that employers are interested in. The program's 100% online, and each student is paired with a data analytics expert who provides unlimited one-on-one -on -one mentorship and support throughout the program via video conference calls. Springboard also offers job guarantees for all their career tracks. That means you don't have to pay for the program until you secure a new job in data analytics. Freelancer Show is exclusively offering a scholarship of $500 to interested applicants based in the U.S. or Canada. Make sure to use the code DASpringboard when you enroll. There are only 20 scholarships available, and scholarships are awarded on a first-come, first-served basis. Check if you qualify by applying at devchat.tv slash DAC. The application is free, and it takes 10 minutes. That's devchat.tv slash DAC. So, yeah, we, we uh, connected on Twitter, and you recommended this topic, and I was like, sweet. That's an awesome topic, especially given the current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, lots of people are getting laid off and, you know, are in kind of a weird spot. And so, yeah, you know, you, you brought up what do you, you know, how do you go freelance if you got laid off? And yeah, I think, I think it's more, a yeah. topic right now. Yeah, sorry. No, I was just wondering if you have like a, a quick breakdown of what you would do and then we can kind of dive deep into some of that. Yeah, for... I think the, the first step for so many people is really figuring out what the skills they actually did at their past job. Um, so many times they, they just got thrown in the motion of continuously just doing shifting around paperwork or whatever they're doing. And they don't even really look at, okay, what are the skills that I can bring to the table now that I'm trying to be my own brand of a person to be my own company. Uh, so the first step is really, and what I've been telling people is to take a look build out a skill set map. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. This is the value that I can bring to a company. So that'd be the first place to start. I like that. I hadn't really thought of that. I mean, I, so, uh, by the way, Brad joined us. Brad, do you want to say hi? Hey, how's it going? Sorry to jump in late. Nope. Happens. So, uh, when I got laid off, I didn't think much about it because I had a skill and that was software development. Right. And so, yeah, I just got jobs writing code, but if you're, if you're not in that boat, yeah, what do you do? I mean, how do you know which skills are valuable? Yeah, and that's, that's the important part too is to, one, I think the first, the next step then is putting it out there to everybody you know and say, hey, I'm now taking on clients as and this is what I'm good at. But to figure out what's worth it is doing a lot of research and seeing what's even in demand right now. And whether you're touring through sites like Upwork or um, any of the other consulting sites that you can just put up your resume, or if you're just talking to your fellow 
um, peers out there and saying, okay, what are you guys seeing that you need? And are your companies hiring anything for um, any freelancers for anything? And then taking that in and figuring out how you can develop your own brand and adjust it to what's needed out there. I can imagine it would be a bit tricky if you come out of corporate and you think you've got a certain set of skills, but it turns out it's only relevant for corporate and you're going for a small business type of client. There'd be some things that would be relevant for smaller businesses that just weren't relevant for corporate and vice versa. So is there a method that you suggest for testing your offer um, in order to find out whether it's in demand or are you suggesting just going to market and saying, this is what I can do? Well, I think as most freelancers that I've spoken with, whether it's like throughout my book writing process or just that I've gotten to know, it's, is there's not really, if you, it's just like starting any business, eventually you just got to go to it. And if the more you hesitate and the more you try to, okay, I'm going to build up my strategy here and, and not get your clients and not just try to get clients, um, the further in the hole you're going to dig. And so just going out and saying, okay, what do you need? And developing any skills on top of what you already have. And that's a creativity process that I think a lot of freelancers have. And it's not just being in a creative field either. I mean, so, so many people here freelance, they think graphic designer, website builder. Um, but it's also, this is the way I have developed my freelancing business. And there's creativity to that as well. So figuring out if there's different partnerships that you can create with other companies that kind of make a complete package. Um, or that, that's another step is just, yeah, just finding any creative way to make your brand and make your business applicable. Yeah, one thing I want to add to that is just um, a lot of times there are types of freelancers that are extremely well known or extremely well understood. You know, Petra, you're, you're set up as an example of that, right? Where you're doing the SEO or the, the keyword building or the Google ads <laughs> management or things like that, right? It's like, I, I need this I and I get the, that, right? No, but I've, I've pivoted. I actually had the complete opposite situation because when I started freelancing, I was doing cybersecurity research for a defense organization. Oh, wow. There's a lot of that going on when it comes to small businesses, I'm sure. So, <laughs> so like I was creating heat maps for like cybersecurity data. So I, I went into creating analytics reports for um, what I thought were going to be small businesses, but it turned out only big businesses were willing to pay for analytics reports and um, trying to sell analytics reports to any kind of small business usually was met with very long pauses and an answer of that's too expensive. So it took me actually two years to pivot and now I've pivoted into Google ads, not SEO. Um, I've never touched SEO, oh, but yeah, the Google ads is really well known. And I found actually that now that I've pivoted, um, all of a sudden people are like, yeah, 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 I need Google ads. But I was flogging a dead horse when it came to analytics. Now I know there's plenty of people out there that need analytics and I still offer analytics as a core service because, hey, it's something I'm really great at. But I've found that sometimes when you want your, your service to be understood, it is easier to go for something that people already are educated on rather than you having to do the education piece. But someone that's just starting out from scratch, they wouldn't know that I had to go through that period of, of pivoting. And um, it's best to just try 
I think what you first set out to do and see if there's demand for it or not, maybe test the offer. Yeah. And I think, I think the point you made about um, essentially reinventing or, you know, or having to educate people on what you do, that's kind of what I was driving at was if you go into an area that people really understand, well, virtual assistant, right? People generally understand the kinds of things you're going to wind up doing. Um, you know, managing WordPress websites. People generally understand the kinds of things that you're trying to do. Um, you know, Google ads or Facebook ads or things like that, right? People generally understand what they're going to get. Um, if, if you're kind of inventing a new um, segment of the market, you could do it, but it's a lot more work. And it, yeah, like Scott said, is if you understand, you know, I'm not really a WordPress managed kind of person but I have some other skill as far as like managing, I don't know, Google tag manager or something that people don't talk about as much. You know, you may be able to find a way to work that in with somebody who manages WordPress, right? And so you go talk to the other WordPress contractors and say, Hey, look, I will manage the JavaScript end of your WordPress site because that's not your core competency, but it's something that I'm really good at. It's completely doable. And in my case, for example, with the analytics, I was doing Google tag manager programming. And what I found then is going into an alliance with Google ads companies and with the um, development companies, for example, they would bring me on as a subcontractor for their projects. So um, there's always a way. And probably if I had kept going as that as my mainstream, I would have found other ways to make it work. But um, you, you have to, I think, decide what that core skill is and then go out and, and like Scott was going saying, um, create alliances that would help you to get there and see whether it's the thing that you want to do or not and whether there is demand for it. Yeah. Touching off that. I think that's the main point then is freelancing is all about your personal brand. And if you are the work that you do and if you can sell yourself as, Hey, I am a competent ad word expert, or I am a, I can teach you your company how to grow its sales or whatever that is. And you are able to prove it time and time again, that that's what you can do and provide value to company. You're going to find clients, but going all over the place is not the way to do that. Having that image, having that reputation is what's needed. I've been kind of struggling with that a little bit just because I've picked like a platform that's a hub for a lot of other things. So a lot of the interest that comes in is kind of general in nature. So I have Salesforce in the middle and then I've got all these different integrations that people want to do, whether it's point of sale or, uh, you know, timekeeping or there's all different kinds of things that people bring me. So it's, it's been kind of weird trying to shuffle those things out and see which ones I actually want to integrate into my business and which ones I don't. Um, so that's been kind of a challenge lately as I have gotten more leads, but I completely, you know, one of the key things I think is just put some, you know, pick a direction and start going that way and people will vote with their money or their words, you know, they'll let you know what they're interested in. So I think it's important to get some, some stuff out there and try to help people as early as possible to, to identify the need. Well, getting some early wins too, right? If you know that people are reaching out for just generic Salesforce needs and that's something you can get a client for. And, and we're talking about people who are recently laid off and now unemployed and finding themselves in circumstances that, they may have never seen before. And if they can get some early wins and then get in a relationship with the company and say, okay, also, by the way, I've done this for you. You've enjoyed that. 
I also am an expert or I also can do this work for you and this will provide that value. Um, so getting those early wins is great for that confidence, especially for those who are facing some tough times. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's say that I figured out, okay, I want to do this particular thing. I'm going out there and I'm finding people that want me to do it. You know, maybe even I do a couple of jobs for less than I would like to make just to kind of establish myself. Um, and yeah, I know what I'm going to do now. What? Right. Um, I talk to people and it's like, and, and it's true. Uh, JavaScript jabber. That's where it was. Um, AJ O'Neill mentioned that some of his freelancing stuff was, um, you know, drying up a little bit just because of the coronavirus thing. And he's like, I'm not really good at marketing myself. So is that the next thing you worry about? Or are there other things you need to get done before you start worrying about, okay, how do I get my name out there so people can find me? Yeah, I think along those lines is you have to figure out what you need your freelancing time to be. So if we're talking about temporary worker, temporary freelancers in a sense here, look at your financial situation and say, what do I need this to be? Do I need this to be the next six months? Do I need it to just get me by for a month or two? And use that to really, I guess, set your goals for what you're looking for. So um, if you're talking about marketing yourself, there's a couple different ways to do that. Are you trying to grow this independent worker? Um, like, are you trying to grow a national brand that way or a brand that people are going to come to you? Or are you just scrolling through Upwork the most and getting the most proposals in um, and trying to get the most jobs that way. And so it's how much of a, like a grinder mentality are you going to have or how much of a, um, I guess the classic marketing strategy type way you're going to show off. I'm just curious, Scott, uh, what do you do for freelancing and um, how do you find your clients? Yeah. So I've been a freelance writer, but I've also, I focused more on my independent contracting around marketing um, for couple companies back in Colorado. Um, and so I found those companies through my network. Everybody I've worked with, I've found through a network uh, with the exception of some of the freelance writing I've just found through their websites um, and offered just writing a few blog pieces for. So knowing my network is where I found everybody I've talked to. That makes sense. And to be honest, that's where I've found. So most of the people I've interviewed for my book around freelancing is through their network is 95% of clients seem to come that way. And I know I've talked about Upworks and Fivers and those type of ways to find more clients, but the majority of it is in normal times is coming through your network. And I know this isn't a normal time. So your friends, your colleagues, your LinkedIn network knows that this is what you do. And so if you get laid off or you find yourself wanting to become a freelancer, or independent contractor, you've already got that established reputation. Do you think that if someone's been laid off, there's going to be a period of time where they're even like they're considering being a freelancer, but they're not sure if they want to go all in. And if someone isn't decided about whether they want to be a freelancer or not, um, first of all, oh, sorry, sorry to do a two question thing, but I'm thinking, do you recommend that someone just goes all in on freelancing or is it okay for them to straddle looking for an employment situation while at the same time freelancing? And um, if you do think that they need to go all in, is there anything they need to do mentally to prepare them for that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't think you need to go all in. I think freelancing can be something you do in between or while you're, 
if your goal is to just get another full-time job and you need to make ends meet for a few months and you're just picking up contracts as you can, I think that's absolutely a way to utilize freelancing. Um, and then alongside, if you are going to go all in, I think the hardest thing for anybody who's making that switch into, into freelancing or being an independent contractor is the imposter, imposter syndrome. And I know it's talked about widely, but feeling like, why am I the person who knows this much about a certain topic when I'm writing a blog post? Why am I the one who um, is credible enough to write this blog post and even talk about freelancing? And so that's just something that everybody has to face and preparing yourself that, Hey, I'm making a decision today that may not work out very well. If I decide to be a freelancer, I'm making a bet on myself to continue my independent work for however long. That's, you have to just remember that what you know now is what's made that decision. So in a few months, if contract goes really badly and you regret ever trying to freelance, you just have to understand, okay, what did I feel? What was I thinking when I got this started and be comfortable with those decisions? Less Accounting provides a reliable, dedicated bookkeeper along with project manager to ensure that your business finances are crystal clear and up to date. How are your profits this month? How much are you making on the services or products sold? How much money is left over for yourself to invest back in your business? What's your debt situation like? Are your products selling? Do you have an emergency fund? Those kinds of questions are the things that Less Accounting software and team can answer anytime within minutes. You'll have a real human categorize your transactions. The software platform provides the ability to auto-import and auto-categorize transactions. You can create proposals and invoices in it. And they have 20 plus reports that you can use to figure out where you're at. So go check them out, lessaccounting.com. I have a story. <laughs> so, uh, of course, this was back in 2010. I got laid off. It was September 2010. Um, in fact, I celebrated every year. Uh, it's going to be my 10th anniversary coming up uh, this September 16th. Uh, it's my freedom day. And yeah, I got laid off. Um, I showed up to work. They called me into the HR office. Um, I, I don't need to go into why the company was struggling. Uh, basically, they made a bad hiring, a uh, bad marketing manager hire. Um, company is no longer there anymore. So I won't embarrass them because they don't exist. But um, anyway, a bunch of us got laid off. And we had just gone through a major death march is what we call it in the programming field, which is essentially where you're working like 60 or 70 hour weeks. Um, and then, you know, they promised us a big bonus at the end. So I got a bonus, I got severance and, uh, I got an iPad. That was the first year they had iPads and I got laid off a week later. And so, um, what happened was, um, my wife freaked, she freaked out and I'd been listening to some business podcasts, uh, leading into that. And so I had wanted to start my own business already. And the other issue I had was that the companies that laid me off were always the companies I wanted to stay at and the companies that begged me to stay or even threatened me to stay. I had one uh, company threatened to uh, exercise their non-compete that they thought I had signed um, against me if I left. And so I was just tired of working for people. I was tired of, of actually having a boss and having that hang over me, right? If I was a contractor, I could just tell them, um, here's all the work I've done thus far, bye. Um, and so I told her I wanted to go freelance and she just, she completely freaked out. And so when, when I went freelance, I was looking for a job and freelancing at the same time. 
And the reason was, was that um, if I ran out of money, I wanted an option, right? If, if I used up all of the bonus money and all of the uh, severance money, I wanted an option to be able to go back and it made my wife more comfortable. So within a couple of weeks, I had one client and then with a couple, within another week or two, I had another client. Um, all of those came to me out of my network, you know, out of the people that I knew. Of course, by then I'd been podcasting or screencasting for several years, uh, for like three or four years. So I, I had a reasonable network to go off of too. And that's another thing that you ought to do is just do those kinds of activities that are going to build your profile and build your network because uh, the bigger the podcast got, the easier it became to find clients. So yeah, I mean, I did both. And then um, I just made a deal with my wife that if we ran out of money that I would go find a job. And it worked out that I never had to go find a job. So um, I, I think it's reasonable to do both. Obviously, if you have more money in the bank, you have a longer runway for that. But yeah, just kind of set those thresholds for when you're going to pull the trigger on any given action and kind of keep that in mind, right? So for me, it was out of money, find a job, but it may be I've got six months worth of money to make, figure this out. And, you know, so if I don't, if I'm not making it after four months, then I'm going to start looking for a job, right? And, and you can kind of figure out about where you need to be so that you can finish the process and accept a job in time to get paid before you're in trouble. Yeah, you have to absolutely set yourself up for success and as much as you can plan. And the COVID-19, what's been so hard for so many people is this was unplanned. It was potentially the fastest recession ever. And now we're talking about up to $30 million or 30 million people being unemployed overnight. And so the moral of the story is there may not be a, a safe job out there anymore. And as much as a lot of people who are now laid off expected their job to be one that could weather the storm and then the storm that nobody expected came through, right? And so being as planned just for any situation, and that's, I mean, that's always an important thing. There is one story that I would like to tell real quickly of, of someone I interviewed in my book, who she, during the 2008 recession, was actually an event planner for a big organization out here in DC. And she saw all the people around her starting to get laid off, including other event planners at other organizations. And so she kind of saw the writing on the wall and preemptively reached out to her company and said, hey, how about I start contracting for you and then I'm going to take on some other clients to be their event planners since they don't know. They now don't have any um, event planners on staff. And so she was able to do that. So she, by like preemptively reaching out to her company and say, I want to contract for you guys now so you can save money on all of my benefits and everything. I'll work for you two days a week. I'll go out and find these other clients because it's, it's DC and there's everybody, all the organizations still need their big fundraisers every year. So they still need to be planned out. Um, so she took that leap of faith and that's, don't get me wrong. If you have a job in 2008, I don't know if everybody's thinking about leaving their job, but it's, it's that type of mindset that really helps people hit the ground running and looking for the opportunities to work for yourself. But if you're not, looking or you're not thinking that it's a possibility, it's hard to be prepared for it mentally or financially, which drives everything. Yeah. I've got well, a little story. Sorry. I've got a little story as well that um, comes out of what Chuck was saying. You said that you had a cutoff period that you negotiated with your wife with regards to, all right, if we run out of money, then I'm going to look for a job. Um, one caveat to that that I suggest is make sure that 
you and your um, partner or wife or husband or whoever it is are on um, agreement about what necessary household spending is during that time because I had the same agreement with my partner and he was um, he was buying things that I didn't consider to be necessary and then we went through a period where we ran out of money and had to borrow from our parents and he said well you did say that if we got to this much in our bank account you would look for a job I'm like, I've been working on this business for two and a half years now. Just because you went and spent on a whole bunch of things doesn't mean I'm going to now quit my freelancing business. So that turned into a little bit of an argument. So I, I, um, I mean, we, we sorted out. But um, I do suggest that um, if there's going to be like a cutoff type thing that um, perhaps you go through a family budget or one thing I've started doing recently is I actually got some bookkeeping software that's used for businesses, but I just got a cheaper version for household and it, it um, incorporates all our bank accounts and things. And I actually do personal bank, uh, bookkeeping. And then at the end of every quarter, I go through and I say, all right, this is how much income we actually brought in. And this is what our expenses were. This is what we spent our money on. So then we're less likely to have arguments about, all right, does someone need to look for a, a new job now? Because I think when, you, when you're first starting out, there are going to be hairy moments where you haven't got quite enough cash in the bank and you don't want to be, um, you don't want to be having disputes with your significant other over that. I'm curious, what system is that? Oh, so I'm using one called Recon. Um, it, it's... Um, Look, I don't know if it's outside Australia. It's only $14 a month and it integrates with my bank accounts, but it doesn't require me to set up payroll or anything like that. So, gotcha. um, so that's really good. And I'm just, uh, it, I, it allows me to set rules. So if I know that it's the grocery store, I've set a rule and it automatically just flags it as groceries. And I spend five um, minutes every week just uh, assigning expenses to a category and then at the end of every quarter now we go through what we spent as a household no and that and that's great and your personal financial situation is what's going to drive everything right and having i know so many freelancers that i've talked to they they've got a spouse who has or a partner that has health insurance has more of a stable job um and it certainly is a nice thing to have for most people who are on their own right but that's not in the world that we just found ourselves in Fortunately, it's not always the perfect world and their jobs may be at stake or the one who had the safe job is now at stake. So hopefully, hopefully that's not most of the people listening to this, but um, keep always being ready for these situations is definitely the moral of the story. Yeah, my mom is a teacher and my dad uh, was a dentist. And so, yeah, the same deal there, right? Is he just canceled his insur- health insurance as soon as she got her job and then they just went off of her insurance. So is, are there other things that people should be looking at, you know, if you get laid off uh, to kind of figure some of this out and make this work? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've talked a lot about just, it's becoming a freelancer, right? It's just having to do this at a moment's notice without months of planning or a year. I know some people have planned for two years before they've become a freelancer and getting their finances ready to the point where they feel comfortable doing so. Um, and so really, as quickly as you can, I guess going through the steps that I would take if, if I was somebody who was laid off right now would be doing that self-evaluation first off is, okay, what am I good at? What can I take to a company and say, this is what I can do for you? 
and then being creative, like we talked about that with those, uh, with those skills and whether it's partnering with other people or finding different ways to incorporate other um, businesses into what you can do, evaluating your financial situation. What do I need out of this? And that goes along with what are the goals from it? Am I applying for jobs, full-time jobs still while I'm freelancing? Great. And just know that and then take different finance or take different freelancing jobs. Um, if it's going to be more of a full-time freelancing option for you, then strategically, okay, I'm going to take this job because I, I'm going to get a good start here. Then this is going to build to this. And as I get going, I'll be able to, to charge more, build my brand and everything like that. And then having that pitch ready to go. And I think what every freelancer can admit to then is just hustling. It's a, it's a grind out there and finding clients and running a business simultaneously with doing the work is not an easy thing to do, right? So you're managing and working. Um, and so hustling is the big thing. I was just going to say, I think it's interesting when you're, when you're doing the job hunt thing and you're looking for freelance work, uh, a lot of times there are some areas that overlap. Like, so you can apply things from one area to the other. Like if you're putting resumes out there, then what you want to do is tailor the resume to the job, right? Well, when you're freelancing and starting out, the more that you tailor it to the specific company or individual that you're targeting, you know, the more it's going to resonate directly with them, which is the theory behind niching down and all that kind of stuff. The tighter you can form that connection, the better. Um, but another thing is if you're doing both at the same time, um, I actually had a, a couple companies approach me about jobs. And since I do this as a side hustle, I'm always looking to increase my uh, revenue I can put into my business and, you know, you know, kind of get more time off or whatever. So, but two of the companies uh, were like, well, we're switching. We can't hire this position anymore. And I'm already, you know, have it, everything set up to do it. So I was like, Hey, uh, well, if it's a budgetary concern and you're not sure what's going to happen in the long term, I can offer you a lot more flexibility uh, by doing corp to corp or some kind of contract situation. If you have a project that you don't really want to put on hold, but you also don't want to, you know, bog yourself down with all that overhead, then maybe we could work something out. And one of the uh, companies actually, uh, you know, we're having conversations about that now. So, you know, just because a company is in flux right now, there's so much change right now that the more that you can kind of take advantage of that, I feel like is really to your benefit. If you're the candidate that's going to be flexible and you're only going to cost them, you know, 15% of the budget they initially thought and provide more flexibility, they're going to be over the moon, right? If you can complete a couple projects for them or, or even a single project. So it's just finding those, those value that you can add to a company, I think. I think that's a really good point and good ideas. Um, I'm sure people who are doing both are getting, you know, we're not hiring because of COVID-19 now, or, you know, we've, we've frozen on hiring. If, if you can turn that around and say, well, I'm open to freelancing to help you on that project, that could, uh, that could be a great way to get started, get a client. Yeah, that's, that's really an incredible way too. You're talking about saving the company so much money. And honestly, you're held a little bit more accountable too as a contractor because you have to deliver quality work all the time, which is, I mean, part of the struggle and the difficulties of being a contractor or freelancers, but you're held accountable and you can do it cheaper, but it's got a lot more freedom for you, which is amazing. And I mean, that's why we're all freelancing. That's why we're all independent is to get that work. So just being with that mindset constantly is really a powerful thing. I've got a question about uh, networks. So we've made a bit of an assumption here that someone already has a network 
but there are people that for whatever reason don't really have many contacts yet it might be that they've only recently come to that city or perhaps they were in a corporate job all their life and didn't really know anyone outside of that job um they might not have been a very social person they just kept to themselves so they might be starting a network from scratch which is a bit tough when you're also looking for work so do you have any suggestions for how someone can start going about creating those friendships and creating that network at a time when they're freelancing they're also looking for work yeah absolutely um first off if you were let's say laid off in this scenario approaching your company with the proposal of hey can i contract for a day or two a week or, or anything part-time like that is definitely a way to keep the contacts that you have at your office and then just transition that into a contract work um but that is a tough situation what you hope now is with with COVID and just with everything else being more remote and being more teleworking based that it's not going to matter so much. And it really doesn't matter as much where you are. So if you do have a network somewhere else, then you certainly can like have that network and still get jobs. Like I said, I work out from a company out in Colorado and I'm in DC. Um, otherwise it is going to be more of that scratching at the surface and using that is the beauty of the Upworks, the Fivers, and any of those companies is you don't necessarily have to go right to your network. Um, you can use, you can build up your resume or take what your resume is and just put it out there and get proposals and say, this is what I can do for you. Um, let's connect. Um, and then using LinkedIn and messaging and talking to everybody you can, right? Um, and that's what so many of us do. So there's just, because of technology, there's just so much ways to, there's so many ways to do that now. One thing I'm going to throw in on this too is that um, you have a network, right? If you've been working in the industry that you're going into as a freelancer, you probably have a network already. You just don't think of them that way because they're your friends, they're your coworkers, they're the people that you know from wherever you were at. And so, you know, using something like LinkedIn to actually track down some of the people that you've worked with in the past and then just shoot them a message and say, um, hey, look, I lost my job. I'm looking for some work in this area. Um, I'd like to, you know, I, I've contributed in these ways, as you're well aware. Um, I mean, you can really start to open some doors. And even if they don't know about somebody, they might know somebody, right? And so the other thing that you can do, and this is a really nice feature of LinkedIn, is you can search your network on LinkedIn. And that isn't just the people that you've connected with, right? So you find all your past coworkers, and then you do that search. It'll find anybody who's connected to them and find anybody that's connected to those people that are connected to them. And so then you can say, okay, well, um, the person who's probably going to hire for this position is the chief marketing officer or the, the CTO or something like that, right? And so you can do a search within your network for people who are a CTO or CEO or small business owner or something like that. And then you can kind of build it up from there and actually go, okay, I'm going to reach out to these people and... Um, one feature that LinkedIn offers is that you can reach out to them through your contact. And so you can actually send the request to your friend and then your friend says, Oh yeah, I'll connect these two people. And then your message gets through to that CEO or person along with whatever recommendations your friend or former coworker wants to send. And so you have a network. It's just a matter of tapping in. Now I know that all, not all industries, um, you know, are going to have as many people on LinkedIn, uh, you know, within the tech world, it seems like everybody I know is on LinkedIn. 
but you know, I recognize that there are some other areas where they're not, but at that point, you know, you just start looking for emails um, or whatever you can find to, to reach out to these folks and just see if you can get a referral that way. And if you come in and you know, you're like, look, COVID-19 or, you know, because of no fault of my own, I am now out of work. A lot of times that, you know, then you don't have to explain why you're looking. You just have to explain why you're a good person to hire. Are you stuck at home climbing the walls when you should be hanging out with the community at the latest conference to get canceled? Are you wondering where to hear your JavaScript heroes like Amy Knight and Douglas Crockford and Chris Heilman? After the cancellations, I decided to put on a JavaScript conference for you online. I invited my favorite folks from around the web and got them to come speak at an online event just for you. Go to jsremoteconf.com and check out our speakers and schedule. The conference is on May 14th and 15th. The call for proposals is open until March 31st. Come join us at an online conference that we guarantee will keep you safe and keep you informed. jsremoteconf.com. I think that's a good point to look at the different networks as well. You said like all the developers are on LinkedIn and you know, there's, if you're, if you're looking for a job or looking for places that we're hiring, Dice is another great place. You can go on and see who is hiring on there and reach out to them. I mean, but I think uh, what I'm getting at is be aware of where you're, target audience is going to be and go there. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about doing all social channels. A lot of people jump in and I've noticed a lot of small businesses doing this where they, they jump in and they're like, I'm going to do Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, everything all at once. And they get overwhelmed. Pick a couple channels that you can really authentically engage with people on. And if you're, if you're unemployed and looking for either freelance or a job, the best thing you can do is personalize 20 invitations invitations a day and you know and in addition to that invite you know 20 to 30 more people to your network to grow it uh it doesn't matter like i think that's a universal thing uh so but personalizing the the ones that you think okay i'm going to target these people because they're high impact um that that's that's an easy win and then you know in addition sending out additional ones whether they're personalized or not to grow your network uh i, I think those are you know, two ways to, to do it relatively quickly and not in a black hat way. Yeah, I found myself in this situation too where um, I know Chuck's saying that everyone's got a network, but I, I kind of felt estranged from my network because I had typically been the only female developer in these organizations and I hadn't really made friends to the same degree as I would have liked, I guess. And then also the audience that I wanted to work with was small businesses and I didn't know anyone in small business. So I joined, now this isn't necessarily easy with COVID, but I joined some small um, business networking groups and they met face to face. And I also uh, tried to have coffee meetings with people in person. Now, if you can't meet with people in person, that's tricky. But um, I, my understanding is the, so one of the meetings that I joined was called Business Network International and they told me they're starting to move to Zoom meetings during BNI. So I think there's always going to be some opportunities to meeting people face-to-face. And, um, and now that we can't really have as many coffee meetings and things, I think people are more willing to have Zoom meetings. And to be honest, I, I found that it was okay to have Zoom meetings anyway. What I did was I suggested to people look you're in a similar industry to me so I would reach out to peers rather than potential clients 
And I'd say you're in a similar industry to me, but not exactly the same. Um, I'm starting out in business. I'm sure I've got a lot of referrals to give. So would you like to um, meet with me and we'll work out if there's any way that we can help each other. And I just positioned it like that. And I found that people were quite willing to just come and meet with me. And I met with lots and lots of people in my first year of business that way and made some really good friends out of it too. So I found that it was possible to broaden my network doing that. Yeah. And to I that, that point, um, I mean, early on, I'll just throw this in really fast, make it quick. Um, when I got into freelancing, I got to be friends with Eric Davis, who was pretty well known for working on Redmine, which is a project management software written in Ruby on Rails. And he had more work than he could handle. So just by being his friend, I just got overflow work off of him. And so that, you know, it, it may just take one contact like that. Yeah, I think it's an important uh, point that expanding your network doesn't, you know, especially with those other channels, doesn't have to stop. And that's something that uh, I took the Seth Godin freelancer workshop thing. And there was a lot of like woo-woo stuff. And, but the key takeaway was if there's a gap, which thanks to the latest emergency around the world, this pandemic, I mean, it, there's a huge gap for people willing to step up and host those things as well. So finding somebody in an adjacent industry, like we've talked about brother strategies here, finding somebody that's going to be, you know, related to what you do, partnering up with them and hosting something like virtual coffee hour or, or virtual coffee time, coffee break or uh, happy hour, or even just, uh, you know, everybody's scrambling. Here's how to weather the storm kind of thing. Uh, you know, stepping up and making those happen is just going to show that you're a leader within, I mean, you're, you're literally being a leader within your industry. Uh, and that's, that's a really, you know, easy way to do it. Yeah. That's an awesome idea to be a host. Yep. Yeah. And a Zoom account or a Crowdcast account or whatever, they don't cost that much. Yeah. I'm sure everyone's looking for the uh, escape as well. You know, everyone working at home uh, by themselves, having that social interaction is even more appealing now. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm an introvert and I, I still crave it sometimes. Right. I just jumped on LinkedIn, put a post out there, invited people that I thought would be fun to talk to or, you know, would, I would enjoy introducing those people. And we had a couple of recruiters, we had some freelancers, we had small business people. I mean, we had a, a pretty homogenous group and, and it ended up being like four or five people joined and it was, a, it was a blast. Right. We didn't even talk about business that much, but then a week later I was talking to one of the guys who's in a digital transformation space and he's like, Hey, this company is doing Salesforce stuff. You should talk to them. I mean, it, it ended up culminating. I, that wasn't my intent or anything, but you know, I, I think, uh, I don't know who's, who said it, increasing your luck surface area by networking. Um, networking is taking all the hard work you do and increasing your luck surface area. Now we're getting toward the end of the time that I have for today. So uh, any last things that we should make sure we hit before we go to picks? Um, I think it's been all covered today. I think this is great. And um, best of luck to all of, all of those out there that find themselves in this situation. I know it's not ideal, but um, just like any freelancer can tell you, it's, it's not over. There's this whole path out here that you may not even known and you may find that you love it. So best of luck to everybody. Yep. All right. Let's go ahead and do some picks. Um, Brooks, do you want to start us with picks? Um, sure. I got a pick. Um, I'll pick, I've been playing a lot. Um, you know, trying to keep my 
kid's busy. My son, who's five, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Go with him and just driving him around um, and catching Pokemon, going on the Pokestops. He's uh, he's enjoying that a lot. So that's keeping him from uh, terrorizing his younger sister and everything and, and get some of that energy out. So that's my pick. Nice. I'm kind of loving that idea. Sorry if you can hear the dog's neighbor's house, but... Um... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been fun. You know, I he just has the phone, right? And uh they've made the like um radius that you have to be in around the gyms larger and at the Pokestop. So yeah, it's it's a great way to kinda and then I just sit on my phone or whatever and uh, you know, browse the internet for five minutes and drive somewhere else. It's great to get out of the house but not risk getting COVID nineteen. Oh, so you're driving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could just even just walk around the neighborhood, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we're, I might we're have kind to of... do that with some of my kids. I think there's a Harry Potter version of that as well, and my my 10-year-old's really into that, so we could just let them pick. Yeah, it's been fun. Good deal. Um, Petra, what are your picks? All right, so I picked up a book that I've read before, but I thought I'd read it again. I, I'd actually recommended it to some other people recently, but it's, um, it's a book from Single to Scale, How a Single Person, Small Business, or an Entrepreneur Can Grow Their Business to Profit by Michael Killen. I've got it in front of me, and I've shared the link. And the thing I like about this book is it gives some ideas for scaling that you might not have considered but it is written for a single freelancer it's not all lofty ideals that a very large business can only implement and so it's got some great ideas and some good ways on how to implement things and a few aha moments so it's a book I really strongly recommend awesome Brad what are your picks yeah so uh I am gonna pick just kind of a new habit that I've I've done. I have been spending way too much time inside lately due to this thing. Uh, and I've been trying to get out um, almost every day, but it's still the cabin fever has been like real. So uh, before I start my day, I sit and uh, kind of go through like a spiritual routine to focus myself for the day. And, uh, you know, like whether that's prayer, meditation, whatever it is for you, just that beginning the day that way has made a difference. And then at the end of my day, I've incorporated a meditation session so that I can kind of uh, disconnect and kind of put like some mental space between me and work. And uh, that's been kind of helpful. And uh, in addition to that, if anybody out there is kind of um, like struggling on what to like, if if you're trying to upskill or figure out a way to uh, document some training or get into a technology platform. Uh, Salesforce actually has a really good platform. I think one of the best uh, uh, learning platforms out there. Um, it's a, it's on par with like Google's learning platforms and things like that, but uh, they have very generous free training. So I'm going to put a link to Trailhead in there if you're trying to leverage more technology work or a specific niche. If you think that'll help you, then I think that's a, a great platform. And uh, there's if anything, since this thing has kicked off, there's been more interest in uh, freelance work for that. So I'll throw that out there. Nice. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick a book. I'm trying to remember which one it is. I think it was the star principle. Um, but uh, in the book, he talks about 
essentially the first step that he recommends that you go through is that you figure out how to sell whatever it is that you're trying to sell. So in our case, it's our, um, uh, whatchamacallit, it's our services, right? It's our time. And so once you figure out how to sell, then what you do is you start documenting your method for selling and then you exercise it over and over again, right? Until you get to the point where you're actually, um, you know, selling enough to, you know, kind of get to the next stage. And so um, I, I really, really uh, like that. So I'm going to pick the star principle by Richard Koch. And uh, then I'm also just going to let people know, hey, look, if you're looking for some um, engagement outside of, you know, work and things, you know, where you're stuck at home, we are putting on some uh, online conferences at devchat.tv slash conferences and some online meetups at dev, devchat.tv slash meetups. So you can go check those out. We've already had a couple of them. Uh, Brooks actually presented at one yesterday. So um, yeah, fun stuff. Scott, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I've got an app that I've found extremely useful now that especially it's uh, tax season. Um, so the app is called Catch and the website's catch.co. It's actually a startup app in Boston. Um, and basically it's a portable benefits platform for freelancers and independent contractors. So it'll recognize when you have a paycheck and automatically withhold taxes for you, um, withhold retirement savings, um, emergency savings, anything like that. It can um, recognize a paycheck and, and take that away for you. So uh, it's called Catch. Um, if you do the referral code, Scott Jones, I'd really appreciate that. Um, but it's a great app and I just paid my DC taxes with it um, just this past week. So it worked out well. Nice. That sounds a little bit like if you've read um, Profit First, he tells you to take your profit out and your taxes out first and put them somewhere where you can't reach them. Sounds like that's kind of the deal here. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it does for you. I mean, so many people, and my dad is a freelance architect and he's got the same issues as year end or a quarter ends and you've spent your tax, the money that you're supposed to have sent to taxes. So it's, it's not fun. Nice. All right. Well, if people want to find you online, um, how do people connect with you? Yeah, Scott Jones DC is my website. Um, the best place though is probably LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, my profile is Scott A. Jones DC. Nice. All right. Well, um, thank you for coming. This was good. Yeah, appreciate you having me. It was a pleasure meeting all of you guys. And uh, yeah, thanks and best of luck to everybody out there. Please reach out if you have any questions um, and find my book, The Free Agent Mindset, coming out in July. All right, good deal. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. And until next time, max out, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.